Welcome back, my brothers, to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton. And before we get started, I want to ask a favor of you. If now, if this is the first time you you found this podcast and this is the first episode you're listening to, by all means, just listen and I uh, hope that you are um, pointed to Christ. Uh, I hope that uh, you are encouraged through the gospel and um, and and that you find the courage to fight this um, this fight against sexual sin. Uh, but if you've listened to several episodes, if you found any kind of encouragement, any kind of um, benefit from them, if you've been encouraged in your walk with Christ, I just would ask that you would go over and leave me a review. Um, and not me a review, the podcast review, not not Spencer. Don't you don't don't mention my name. But if you think um, that that it's been beneficial to you, because the truth is that when people are searching for something to uh, really, uh, you know, um, to listen to, and they come across this podcast, they're going to check out what people say about it. And you could be a part of encouraging another brother who's struggling through the same issue uh, with starting to listen to this. And, And my hope is that this podcast is not about Spencer. This podcast is uh, about Christ. It's about the gospel and how the gospel is greater than porn. Like that's, that's the end game for this podcast. So let's get into this message. And I'm, I'm excited to be here because uh, I was, I've been, I've been reading through first Samuel still in first Samuel, obviously since the last podcast episode. And so I think there's some the some words here for for us and so i'm going to start chapter 15 i'm going to start reading verses in verse 2 and then we're going to talk about it thus says the lord of hosts i have noted what amalek that is the amalekites did to israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of egypt now go and strike amalek and devote to destruction all that they have all that they have, do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Now, this commandment is going to Saul, right? So, so God is saying through Samuel, Saul, now that you're king, you need to go. I've made a note of all of the sin against my people. Now, you need to go and um, what you're going to do is carry out justice on my behalf. So he keeps going. Verse chapter 15, 1 Samuel, verse 7. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. First Samuel 15, 11 says, this is God. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. So this is the, this is the thrust of the passage. The thrust of the passage is that God has commanded Saul to go and utterly wipe out their enemies, 
the Amalekites for the sin that they committed when the people of Israel were coming, were coming out of Egypt. And so what we need to understand guys is that sin is serious. Like rebellion against God is serious. And we talked about this in previous episodes, like sin is serious for both those who are opposed to God and not his people. And it's serious for God's people. Like it says that God noted, right? He he said in verse two, I have noted God has noted or kept a record of the Amalekites sin against his people. And so God's determined to judge the Amalekites through his people. Like it, it is to strike them, destroy them, everything they have, do not spare them. And so right here, I want to stop because it's tempting for us to think, man, God's being a little harsh here. And people who are not followers of Christ, you know, they will, they will use these types of example, but this is not about how harsh God is, but about how serious sin is. You see, we tend to minimize our sin and then throw it back at God as if he should change and not us. Well, it didn't work here and it's not going to work anywhere else in our lives either. And because sin is so serious, now get this, because sin is so serious, the gospel is so glorious. Like when I think about my life, I should be just like the Amalekites because I was an enemy of God. Like God should be judging me for my sin, but instead, like instead of sending the true King Jesus to judge and destroy me, he chose me and he welcomed me into his family. But now that I'm in his family, and now that you're in his family, brother, so think about this, God now turns to me, and he turns to you, and he sends us on this seek and destroy mission. Like God says to both, both of us, me and you, he says, devote to destruction all of your indwelling sin. So that's, that's, this is coming back to us. God is saying, devote to destruction all your indwelling sin. But the great news is, is like, he will do it. He's given us the spirit. The spirit is what kills sin in our life. So again, first Samuel 15, three, now go and strike Amalekle, Amaleke, Amalek, and devote to destruction all that they have. So this, when I read that, I went back in my mind to first, I mean, not first, I went back in my mind to Colossians chapter three. If then you have been raised with Christ, so what Paul's saying here is, if you have found your identity in Christ, if you are now his, he is your king, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So Paul is right. These first four, first four verses, he's saying, you have a new identity. You are now a child of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And your life is now hidden with him. You, your old identity has died. Your old self has died. And so after he says all these things in verse four, he says, 
Therefore, because of all of this, because of who you are, brother in Christ, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Right? So he's the same thing he's telling Saul, go and devote to destruction all of my enemies. Christ says to us, Paul says to us through the word, put to death. all of your indwelling sin. But instead of being 100% committed to the word of God, Saul compromises and decides to keep King Agag alive, along with what? The best of the spoils. But the people and the things they really didn't care about, well, they just destroyed them. They, they, they killed all those things. This verse 9 says, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. And, and it, you know, for many men who come to faith in Christ, there are habits. So think about your life. There are habits and dispositions and sin that simply vanish. I, I, this was, this was definitely, and I've heard it from so many men before, but definitely in my case, I came to faith in Christ 21, almost 22 years ago, and there was absolutely a change immediately that things seemed to vanish. My language, like foul language, completely gone. Like certain things in my life immediately changed. Those are, to me... <laughs> When I'm reading the story, those are the despised and worthless things, the things that they didn't really care about. Those were the things that were done away with. Like they seem really easy to renounce and be done with, done away with. But then there are other things that are deep heart idols. And they will not be driven out or destroyed easily. What it takes is us joining the spirit of God and the word of God on a search and destroy mission. Like it takes radical faith and trust in God, even when it doesn't fit with the world's pattern, your family's pattern, and especially your old identity pattern. That's why Paul said your old identity with the world is dead. You've died. So the question becomes, what are we holding back from God? Because this is what Saul was doing. What are we holding back from God? Is it the best of your old life? The, the part that most others either don't know about, or maybe that some would approve of. So let's continue on the story because Samuel came to Saul, verse 13, and Saul said to Samuel, blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, well, what then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? In other words, Samuel's saying, well, if you've done everything that God told you to do, then why do I hear the, these sheep and these oxen? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. 
So get this, Saul comes to Samuel and lies from the very beginning. He says, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Samuel immediately calls him out. Like, do we think that we can hide our sin from God? I think, I mean, I would say no. Like you, you and I, if you're listening to this, you're a follower of Christ. You know that, no, you can't, but you act as if you do. I act as if I do or if I can. And what Samuel did was just pointed to all the worthless things that they had destroyed. We've done all of this. And that's what we tend to do as well in order to justify our disobedience. So what happens here is Saul begins to like blame other people. His stories are trying to justify his sin. Immediately, he throws the soldiers under the bus. He says, they have brought them, the people spared. So notice that, like he is, his stories, the stories that he's telling Samuel, he's pointing to other people and saying, don't look at me and my sin, look at them. They're the cause of my disobedience. And we do the same thing. And, as, and as, if that wasn't bad enough, he attempts to justify with spiritual reasoning. So we've done this, Samuel, to sacrifice to the Lord your God. How many excuses have I used? Lies have I told myself to justify my behavior when God's word confronts me? I mean, I hear this all the time. When I'm talking with guys, men who are struggling with pornography, it's, it's lies we tell ourselves over and over, lies of justification. Let, let me think about Instagram. I was just talking to a brother the other day about his Instagram usage. And he says, you know, I don't know what it was that got me. Well, yeah, I do. I do know what it was. It was Instagram. I, I pulled up Instagram. So what happens is we, we think, oh, well, I'm just going to go look on Instagram. There's nothing wrong with looking at Instagram is what we tell ourselves. Oh, here's a, a pretty girl. Well, there's nothing wrong with looking at her. This is not pornography. Oh, I'm just going to follow through and look at this account. I'm going to look at all these pictures. And we justify, 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 justify until before you know it, we are looking at pornography on our phones or on our computers. Do we think we can hide our sin from God? Do you think that our, our excuses of justification, our stories of justification or entitlement are going to fly? The Lord says, put to death whatever is earthly in you and have me as your king only. And I say, yes, I'll do that, Lord. But I, I do want to hold back like these treasured things. Like I, I'll keep, I'll give you all of this, but let me keep the king alive. And let me keep the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the everything else. This is, this is what I do practically when I'm not, when I am not diligent about killing sin. And so the story goes on verse 16. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop, like, just stop lying to me. Just stop. 
I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And then Saul said, speak. Verse 17, and Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, let's stop right there because Notice what Samuel's doing. He is not letting Saul off the hook. Saul said, they did this. My soldiers did this. Look at them. They've done this. And, oh, we did it because, or they did it because they wanted to sacrifice the Lord. Saul, Samuel says, no, 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 stop. Like, stop lying. I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord said. He says, you did not obey. And you pounced on the spoil and did what was evil on the side of the Lord. Like Saul is not getting off the hook and neither will we. How many, how many guys have I talked to and, and was true in my life as well, who have said, well, I, I only did it because X, Y, Z. Well, if my wife and I were having more sex, then I wouldn't need to do this. Or if they, things weren't as stressful, or I have so much free time, I, I, I get bored easily, or I'm lonely, like excuse, excuse, excuse. And so Samuel calls Saul out, and so does the Spirit of God call us out. And the Word of God calls us out. And so Saul keeps being defiant here, verse 20, and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now that is a lie. He says, I have gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of, king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction, but the people took of the spoils, sheep and ox, and the best of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Again, Saul's trying to blame the people. But Saul's the leader. And so people are just following leadership. Brother in Christ, God has appointed you as a leader in your family, in your church, maybe in your work. We're leaders, and leaders, like the buck stops with us, and it did with Saul as well. And Samuel's like heard enough of the lies, right? So God set Saul on a mission to purify the, the land from their enemies, and Samuel just says, why didn't you obey? Why did you make the decision to rebel against God? And Saul's saying, I did obey. I mean, how easy is it for us to justify our sin? It's way too easy. Yet the idols 
that we hide and the sin that we enjoy in private is not hidden from God. He sends us on a search and destroy mission. And instead we bring the enemy back into our camp and lie about why it makes sense. If God is calling you, if God has told you be done with Instagram, if Instagram is the temptation, how how easily do you justify keeping it on your phone? I, I was just having this discussion recently with a brother. Like, why? If this is what leads you to the path of rebellion against God, then this is something that you're choosing. This was Samuel's response to Saul. He says, has, verse 22, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your, and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Like Samuel gets directly to the heart of the matter. While Saul, Saul dodges and ducks responsibility, his message is simple. All of your outward pretending and performing means nothing when you disobey the Lord. And this is what I see in guys. We pretend and we perform our way through life. Pretending takes the shape of like it, like it comes in the form of lies we tell ourselves. Pretending comes in um, like pretend, like minimizing our sin and saying it's not that big of a deal. Pretending comes when we compare our lives to other people. Well, my life isn't as screwed up as that person's. Well, this person committed adultery. I'm just struggling with porn. So therefore, when I compare myself, I'm pretending that my sin is not serious. So that's, those are some of the ways we pretend, but what about performing? We also perform well, like Saul said, Hey, I want to sacrifice before the Lord. And we perform all the time. If we just read our Bible a certain amount of times each year, or if I can read through the Bible in a year, or if I take my family to church or if I sing, or maybe if I give my money, these things, these things matter, but, but God says, no, no. Obey, obedience, like obeying the voice of the Lord is better than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Stop pretending and performing because it doesn't mean anything apart from obedience. You can sing and clap and talk and preach and read your Bible and give all your month, money away without obedience from the heart. It means nothing. Samuel called it divination, iniquity, idolatry, rebellion, presumption, and rejection of the word of God. And yet it appears that 99.9% .9 of the people were okay with Saul's plan. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he was mostly concerned about what they thought of him. He says it. He says, verse 24, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. 
What sins do we hold on to because we're worried about what other people think about us? It goes on and it gets actually gets worse. So was Saul's repentance true repentance? I don't, I don't, I don't get the sense that it was here. First Samuel 15, 30. Then Saul said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. So Saul is saying, Samuel was saying, I'm done. I don't want to have anything more to do with you. You've disobeyed. You've rebelled against God. And now he's rejected you as king. And Saul is not, is not repentant that he sinned. He's, he's more worried. He's saying, honor me before the elders of my people. Like, we know that Saul feared the people because he wanted Samuel to return with him to save face before them. This was not true repentance. Saul was still hiding his enemy, his idol deep in his heart. And what was it? It was pride which struck the mortal wound in Saul. It was pride. When you care, when you care more about what other people think about you than you do confessing your sin and dragging your sin into the light, and I'm thinking specifically of pornography, when you, when you do, then that's not true repentance. So I was talking with a brother, and we were talking about this very subject. We were uh, communicating, and, and I asked him, who do you need to talk to about this issue? Like, who do you need to go to? What brother in Christ do you need to go to and drag this out into the light with them and wrestle with it? Like, like just be brutally honest. Who, who is it? Who do you need to do this with? And his response to me was, well, you know, I've done this before with some guys, but it never really goes anywhere. So this is to me an excuse. I have done this before, but, but this won't work. Or so in, in my mind, why wouldn't we go and find, if, if it didn't work with those Guys, why not find somebody else, somebody new? It's like Saul saying, yeah, I've sinned, but, but honor me before the people. I don't want to look bad to every person. I don't want to be known as the guy who struggled with pornography, as if every other man in, in your church didn't struggle with the same thing. We know that's not true. It was pride. It was pride that struck the mortal wound on Saul. And he would not recover from it. But Samuel, who was God's servant and communicator of God's word, did not care about what others thought about him. Samuel didn't care. So what does he do? He carried out the mission of Saul that God gave Saul. His mission was clear, destroy every enemy of the Lord that was hidden in their camp. Verse 32, then Samuel said, bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. 
And Agag came to him cheerfully. Agag said to himself, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Brothers, how do you need to get serious about your sin? What is God calling to do you to do that you are fearful to do because you care more or worried more about what your wife thinks, what other people think? What sin are you not dragging into the light? What's interesting is in verse 11 of this chapter, it says that God regrets making Saul king. God regrets making Saul king. So how can he do this when he's God and he never changes his mind? It appears contradictory, right? But the key here is, is that Saul has changed, not God. Verse 11, I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Saul changes his character, and so God changes his actions in order to be consistent with his character. God doesn't change his mind. He, he just changes his response. Like, God is consistent. He's always going to be consistent. And brothers... Like when I look back at my own life, this is what I see. I see God being consistent, like his mercy and his grace. It never left me. What happened was I changed. I changed. I was not, I was not diligent about obeying the word of the Lord when the Lord was telling me, seek out and kill your sin. Spencer, you have this indwelling sin, this lust for pornography, this thing that you're struggling with, you're keeping it in the dark. Yeah, you've told a couple of guys about it, but then you're not really confessing it. You're not grieved about it. You're not doing whatever it takes. God didn't change. I did. I came and I made all the same excuses that you make. I had all the stories that I told myself, all the stories of justification, all the stories of entitlement. I pretended, I performed, and I can tell you on the outside, everything looked just perfectly fine. I mean, I was leading a ministry, a growing ministry. God was blessing the ministry. He started the ministry. He continued the ministry. And so when he called me to repentance time and time and time and time again, and I would say, I sin, Lord, I sin. I, I like when I found myself in the pit after pornography, man, I was sorrowful and repentant. But I kept these idols hidden deep, deep, deep in my heart. I didn't do the hard work of exposing them. And so I changed and God changed his response to me. He took me out of leadership of this ministry that he started. He removed me from ministry, and rightfully so. I praise God that he did that. I am friends with the brothers who are 
currently leading this ministry, and I praise God for them. Like God continues to work. He is consistent. He is consistent. And he's also consistent in the fact that Christ, like Christ never left me. He consistently showed me grace. He consistently forgave me. He consistently interceded for me. The character of Christ never changed. And that is amazing. It was amazing to me. Yeah, there were difficult days. Like 2013, even in 2017, Alice and I went through some, some other struggles not related to like the sin of pornography or anything. And like God is consistent. Christ consistently saves those who are repentant truly repentant so before i was repentant but had my excuses i'm sorry god but please would you save my reputation before people like i'm leading a ministry therefore i i definitely can't can't be outed what would people say about what if i lost my job god well that wouldn't be good brother just my my counsel to you don't treat your sin lightly the power of god through the word of god with the spirit of god has the ability to destroy all of the enemies that are deep 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 within the camp within your heart god can root them out so i'm going to pray for us lord God, I pray for whoever's listening to this. I pray, God, that you would open their eyes and open my eyes, continue to open my eyes to the seriousness of my sin, Lord, that I would not, I would not take it lightly, that I would not come up with excuses as to why I sin, but God, that I would submit to your Lordship and I would allow you to change me, for you to change me. Stop making excuses. Lord, I believe that you've told many men who are listening to this, I believe you've told them already what they need to do. Now, God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength to do it. I don't know what it is. It may be confessing this sin to their wife, like being humble enough to confess this sin to their wife and trusting you that you will honor that humility. I don't know what that means. God, I wish that I would have done that, that I would have humbled myself before my pastor, that I would have humbled myself before other brothers, and I would not have been like Saul who said, only honor me before other people. God, I care what other people think about me. This, is, this, was, this was my heart, Lord. You knew it. And so, therefore, you had to humble me and crumble me yourself. And that is okay. I praise you for that. And, God, if that's what it takes for some men, then I do believe that will happen. I just pray that, God, through your, through your loving discipline, there would be a harvest of righteousness for all of those men who are trained by it, Lord, who submit to your discipline, God. But I pray that it would not come in a way that just defeats them, 
Lord, I just pray that your loving hand, like the, the call of Christ to repent and his consistent grace would be enough to overwhelm the men who are listening to this podcast, that as they see their sin seriously, they see the gospel as glorious, like more glorious, swallowing up our sin, swallowing up our shame. Lord, you love to forgive more than we love to sin, and I praise you for that. I praise you for that. So I pray for these brothers, God. Give them grace. Give them courage. Strengthen them through your word and through your spirit as they seek. As they seek you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, I have got um, some podcasts coming up. I've already been preparing for them that we're going to be walking through the, the actual steps, like step by step by step of how to find freedom from pornography. Um, you know, I've got the first several uh, already outlined, but it's going to take some time. So this could be an ongoing thing. It's okay because these Struggles that we have are deep, 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 deep struggles. And guess what? It requires you to go to war. So that's what we're going to talk about on our next podcast is you equipping for war because, uh, you know, you've lived for too long uh, with this peacetime mentality with your sin and it's time to, to, to go to war. And so we're going to talk about that and how that looks through the gospel. All right, brothers, I'll uh, see you next. Well, I won't see you, but um, I'll be back next episode. And in the meantime, I'd love for you to go and leave a review. Um, so, all right, brothers, I'll be back.